You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Great to be together, everybody. Uh, a few, a few kind of housekeeping things here at the top of our uh, of our, our lesson here. Just kind of things going on. Um, can I get the clicker from somebody? Uh, congratulations on the graduates. I know we had Gianna Hill graduate. Where are you, Gianna? Uh, she's already blew the coop, I guess. I heard she's with the yams, so she's probably with the with them at their service. And then uh, Dell graduated, right? Where's Dell? Oh, awesome job, Dell. I know it's hard work. He graduated from a really hard school too. He can tell you about it. Uh, who else? Did anybody else graduate? That, I don't know. I know kids. Clay graduated from the School of Hard Knocks. What? I, I stopped, stepped on his joke. What was your joke? In 1980. Okay, that was a while ago. Anybody just graduated? Okay, well, congratulations. It, it feels good to finish something, doesn't it? It feels good to finish something. And on that note, um, I spent about three days... Uh, updating our podcast and our YouTube channel because we've gotten quite a bit behind. So it's all updated now. So I'm telling you so that you can go on there, catch up with anything that you missed, and please uh, like, please comment, uh, please uh, share with others. That helps our podcast. It helps us uh, be able to get the word out. Uh, how many of you guys listen to podcasts? Does anybody here listen? Okay. So I know some people are into podcasts, some people aren't. I really love podcasts. But if you do, please subscribe to our South Bay Church podcast and please like it, please rate it. Uh, that lets people know. I know all the teens use YouTube, right? So can you guys please subscribe to our channel? That will help us uh, just to, to, to get the word out there because the more people watch our stuff, the more, uh, the more the message gets out there. So anyway, it's all updated, so that's good news. So a few, uh, few things, uh, and oh, wh wh one thing we're doing with streaming, uh, just to let you know. So this service is being streamed on the YouTube channel. The North Campus uh, of the South Bay Church is being streamed on Facebook, so people have those two options. So uh, we had, they streamed last week, the week before. A lot of people are watching that stream, and then some people are watching this stream, but this stream then becomes part of the YouTube channel. And then what we're hoping to do is pull those things off Facebook and put that on our YouTube channel so we have the kind of history of both services. So, okay, a few things going on. Um, after church, uh, we, we're, we're trying to get a, you know, the main thing we want to do with building this new ministry is we really want it to be family. So that's why we're doing uh, coffee and, and donuts and all that kind of stuff because it's not family. You know, family always, there's food involved, right? Anytime you get the family together. So we really, uh, so we're doing that. Uh, make sure you come early and uh, partake in some of the breakfast. When it's church, you have to use the word partake. That's the only time you use that word, partake. <laughs> um, so, but then after service, we'd love to invite people to go over to Lamp Post Pizza to partake in some pizza and uh, wings and salad and sandwiches and that kind of stuff. It's right down the street. You could almost walk there. But it's a cool place to just hang out. A couple weeks ago, we were there with probably about 15 or 20 people. And uh, there was about 12 teens in one uh, booth, you know, just because that's how teens are. The more cramped space, the better when you're a teenager. But, um, but there's lots of room there to spread out. The games are on all over on all of the channels. So who's watching Women's World Cup? Come on, man. Uh, uh, U.S. is on Tuesday, so we're looking forward to that. 
But, uh, but that's going to be on. So anyway, Lamppost Pizza after church. We're going to be over there. We're having a, a meeting with Joe and Nicole, so we're going to do our meeting over there. And uh, love to invite you. Okay, special missions update. We took our special missions offering last week, which is supporting uh, churches in Mexico, Central America, and the Middle East. Um, and uh, all of our region, our, we have a family of churches called Coastal LA, and all of our region uh, raised funds last week and then through the month of June. So as a group, this group right here, the South Bay, South Campus, we're about $14,000 short of our goal, but I know everyone hasn't contributed. So as long as everyone contributes something to missions, we will make that goal to support those churches in Mexico and Central America. Amen? Uh, today is the last day to get... $10 registration to this uh, event coming up in uh, September uh, called One Family, One Dream. This is the 30th anniversary of the LA Church of Christ. And if you're new to this group, uh, we are part of the LA Church of Christ. Uh, the LA Church of Christ started 30 years ago in downtown LA and then spread all over LA into the different geographic areas. So, uh, so the reason we don't call it LA Church of Christ is when you invite someone to the LA Church of Christ, they think you meet in LA. It's like, no, we meet down in TV. So, you know, so that's why we use the word South Bay, use South Bay, but we, we are really proud of the LA Church of Christ, really proud to be a part of the LA Church of Christ. And uh, this is going to be a great celebration, but today is the last day to get $10 off, uh, $10 for registration. It goes up, I think, to 15 or 20 or something like that tomorrow. Um, Father's Day is coming up. I know uh, we have a few fathers of daughters, and we're doing our annual father-daughter dance on Father's Day Eve. So uh, make sure you register for that. You can register on the app or on the South Bay Church website or on Facebook. A lot of places you can register uh, for that so we know who's coming. Uh, our rib cook-off, annual rib cook-off is coming up on the 23rd of June. So that's just a couple weeks away. So be preparing, be searching online for the best recipes. Um, there's a contest for both best ribs and best mac and cheese. Every mission point uh, is bringing ribs, mac and cheese, salad, and desserts. So figure it out as a mission point who's bringing what. If you are a guest or you're not in a mission point yet, you can pick one of those things and bring them. Or even better, we would love to connect you to a mission point. You can organize as a mission point. Mission point is just our, what we call our small groups or our family groups that meet during the week. And we're going to be meeting this week in family groups. So it'd be great to get you connected to one if you're not yet. The church is going to be providing, i.e., Jen and Dessa, when it ever says the church, uh, we'll be bringing uh, water, paper goods, dinner rolls, and butter. So you don't have to bring that stuff unless you want extra butter. Okay, last uh, announcement. We are going to have a regional park service. And as I mentioned, we're part of a family of churches called Coastal LA, which is part of the LA Church. LA Church has 6,000 plus members, so it's a big church. Uh, Coastal LA has 1,200 uh, members or so. So we're all going to be getting together at... Uh, Wilson Park, right here in our own backyard, for uh, you know, a thousand people worshiping God outdoors, should be a lot of fun. Uh, there, so that there's no registration or anything for that, but that just that's where we'll be on that Sunday. Service will start at 11 on uh, on the 23rd. So this is a great opportunity to invite friends and stuff because it's right here in our own backyard. What did I say? Oh, the 30th. Sorry, 23rd is ribs, 30th is park. 23rd ribs, 30th park. Okay, it's this is all on our website. It's all on our app. It's funny, though, because somebody will be like, I'll be talking to somebody about something that's like, oh, I haven't heard anything about it. Like, okay, all we did is put it on the app, put it on the calendar, on the website, send it out as an email over CCB, make a video about it. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't text you individually, bro. You know? 
So that's why I'm just trying to make sure you guys know this stuff's coming up. All right. So we're doing a, a series, if you're, if you're just catching up, as I mentioned, you can go on our YouTube channel and ke- catch up with whatever you missed, but we're doing a series on faithful French, called Faithful Friendships, about relationships in the church, and just in general, we feel like everybody can benefit from Jesus' teachings on relationships, and uh, from what the Bible has to say about relationships, and so we've been going through the book of 1 John, kind of working our way through it. Today, the title of the lesson is How Encouragement Works. Uh, the notes are on the South Bay app if you want to follow along there. Uh, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the, the uh, information table for you if you need a Bible. Uh, but uh, we're going to be looking uh, where we picked up on at, at 1 John chapter 3, if you want to go and be turning over there. And uh, I will say a word of prayer and we'll, we'll jump into things. God, thank you to be together today. Thank you to open your word as a gathered body of Christ here on a Sunday morning in a beautiful location. Thank you for providing this space for us to worship you. I thank you for the way music helps us to connect with you and to, uh, uh, to think about you and, and what you do in our lives and who you, who you are. Um, I pray that you'd be with uh, the lesson right now and uh, be with this, uh, this time that every person here would, would get something from your Holy Spirit, that he would speak to each one of us through your word and uh, that we could grow stronger in our relationships with each other and we could go stronger in our relationship with you from, uh, from our time spent together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So just a quick quick review if you um, haven't been a part of this series, Faithful Friendship. So um, we, we started with the idea of, of, of walking in the light that uh, Wade Cook kicked us off with. That when we, 1 John 1 says, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' his son purifies us from all sin. So it is possible to have real fellowship. Because what happens, um, and we're basing a lot of this teaching on a book called Encouragement by Larry Crabb, uh, but people build walls around themselves because we are afraid. And that goes all the way back to the very beginning. Adam says, I was afraid and so I hid. So our core motivation is fear and our core strategy is to hide. So everybody tends to hide and it's hard to have real relationships. It's hard to get past the, the barriers that we put up. But in Christ, we have the ability to have a restoration of intimacy. And that was the next thing we talked about. Because the blood of Jesus purifies us from sin and takes away our fear. And it makes it possible to have real relationships. Now, these real relationships need to happen within a framework of, commu- uh, of commitment. The community of love that we talked about. With, that was the, that title. The framework of commitment. That it's not just about transparency. Because you can have transparency and not still have uh, friendship or connection. Um, but, but the framework of commitment with transparency is what forms this community of love that Jesus said would show the world this is who my disciples are, is the love that my people have for one another. So that's the kind of community that we really want to build. And then last week, uh, the title of the lesson was The Character of an Encourager. And, and we talked about that in, in, in line with special missions, that when we give of ourselves, when we put ourselves out there for others, sometimes we've got to rely on God. We've got to entrust ourselves to God that he's going to provide for us. And, it, you know, so that we can overcome those fears and so that we, we can put ourselves out there in relationships and, and, and conquer uh, that, that, that fear that we have that, well, what about me? What about my needs? But, but Jesus is always there. Jesus will always provide for us. We can't always trust in people, but we can always trust in God. And uh, we talked about that last week. So we left off with 1 John 3:16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives 
for our brothers and sisters. So this is what it means to be a Christian, that Jesus came and he was all about relationships and he laid down his life for his friends. And now, as his followers, we lay down our lives for one another. And, and we form this body of Christ that, that really represents him to the world. Larry Crabb has this uh, thing he talks about that I haven't been able to touch on yet, but he talks about desires versus goals. And I wanted to talk about that for a minute because uh, when it comes to the commitments we have uh, to one another and our relationships with one another, it's important to differentiate between goals and desires. And how he puts it, he says, a goal may be defined as a purpose to which we are unaltera unalterably committed. We assume unconditional responsibility for a goal, and it can be achieved if we are willing to work at it. So a goal of ministering or, or a goal of encouraging is, I, I'm just not going to give up until I'm a good friend to this person in my group. Or I'm not going to give up until I really have a great connection with my teenager. Or, you know, it's, it's something that you're not going to give up on. It's unalterable. It's, it, you're going after it. And you have the, the ability to, to work on it. You know, it's measurable. It's attainable. It's, uh, that's a goal. He says a desire may be defined as something wanted that cannot be obtained without the cooperation of another person. It is a, an objective for which we can assume no responsibility because it's beyond our control. Reaching a desire must never become the motivating purpose behind behavior because then we are assuming responsibility for something we cannot fulfill on our own. So a desire is something you can't control. You want it. You pray about it. So we work towards our goals. We pray about our desires. Does that make sense? Because what happens, let, let me give you an example in marriage. So a lot of times in marriage, uh, you have conflict in, in some marriages. Even in the church have conflict, guys. And uh, often it boils down to not following through on what the Bible teaches about marriage in Ephesians 5, where it talks about wives respecting their husbands and husbands loving their wives. And, and each, each of us, is, our, our needs are met. You know, I have this need to feel valued and respected. And, and if Dessa's respecting me and, and, and kind of she's my cheerleader, then I, I get those needs met. And she has this uh, inherent desire to be protected and to be taken care of and to be cherished and to be valued and, you know, to be listened to. And if I'm meeting my desire to love her as Christ loved, uh, my goal to love the Christ, love her as Christ loved the church and, and meet her needs like I meet the needs of my own body, then her needs are cared for. But what happens a lot of times in a marriage is the husband is not feeling respected and the wife is not feeling loved. And so then, and they kind of point at each other and they're stuck because they keep pointing at the other. And that's where this desires and goals comes in, because in that relationship, it's great to want, it's great to desire your husband to meet your needs, but you can't control him. You can't make him meet your needs. All you can control is your, the goals that you have for your own responsibility. And husband, you know, you can't control her level of respect. You can't say, hey, you, re you need to respect me. The Bible says so. That's her choice. You might try living respectably. <laughs> you know, that's something you can control, but you can't control... You know what I mean? You can only control yourself. So it's important to separate desires and goals when it comes to relationships. Does that make sense? Because trusting God with our desires and choosing biblical goals in terms of our relationships is what's going to make the church so different than the world. And the world is hurting for relationships. I want to show you this Barna survey from last year. Uh, whoa, it's going with its own. It's taking off. Okay, Americans are friendly but lonely. And this shows you uh, how many adults regularly or often feel lonely. 
uh, who are the most lonely? So men are more lonely than women. Millennials are more lonely than Gen Xers, although it's pretty close, 25%, 24%. Boomers are a lot less lonely, and elders are not lonely at all, <laughs> according to this survey. I don't know. Singles are more lonely than marrieds, downscale, more lonely than upscale. But th this is interesting. So men, millennials, single, uh, these are people who we want in the church. We need, you know, that, that kind of shows you because we need more men in the church, right? I, saw, I hear some amens from the single sisters. We need more single men in the church. And, uh, and you know, this, this is illuminating that, that single guys out there are really lonely. So if we can, can, can reach them uh, with relationships, uh, we're going to be able to help, help people. Uh, here's a, an answer to a survey. Would your current friends are most similar to you or mostly different from you in these different areas? And you see that most people are very similar. Their friends are mostly similar. Racial background, social status, level of education, level of income, political views, life stage, religious beliefs. This is something uh, where in the church, other than religious beliefs, uh, we can really be different than the world because we have such a diverse population here in the church young and old and different race, races, uh, different social economic levels, di totally different backgrounds. And in the church, like in our community groups, we can have relationships with people who we would never have hung out with if we weren't disciples. And I know you're all chuckling because you're thinking of people you know that you're like, oh yeah, I would never hang out with that brother. If we, somebody's thinking about me right now, you know, I would never hang out with that guy. He's weird. He's a nerd or whatever. Uh, but in the church, we can learn from each other. And I remember years ago, uh, Henry Kramer uh, saying that every person is an adventure. And if you know Henry, that's how he looked at people. Yeah. Every person is an adventure. We, we love stories. We love, you know, I know you guys Netflix binge sometimes. Uh, yeah. but why? Because you just love compelling stories. I got to see what happens next. I got to see what happens next. Uh, but every person is a story. Every person is an adventure. We got to look at people that way, uh, that, that we enjoy it. It's, it's interesting, if, you, if I go back a slide, it talks about how people having five close friends. And it's been studied that uh, in the church, if you're going to do well spiritually, you need to have at least five close friends if you're going to make it long term. They, somebody did some real uh, in-depth analysis on people who last in church or people who, who leave the Lord. And the people who last are the people who have at least four or five close friendships. And so if you don't feel like you have that, I want to encourage you to, to make a goal. You know, in this series or as we're talking about these things, I really want to develop more close friendships. Uh, I, in this season, at this time, I really want to have four or five really, really close friendships and put these things into practice that we're talking about. Uh, my son Jameson was talking to us the other day, and he was on the stairs, and he was talking to me and Dessa in the room, and he was in the middle of talking, and then all of a sudden we heard this huge crash, and then he was like screaming and yelling. We're like, what happened? And we, we come running, and he's at the bottom of the stairs. We have stairs that kind of go up, and then, you know, there's a little landing, and then they go back. So he's at the bottom, like, rolling around on the ground. We're like, what happened to you? Like, did you fall off the stairs? He couldn't even talk at first. And uh, so what had happened is he was kind of halfway up the stairs, and he was holding on to one of the rungs of the stairs. And he was just kind of, you know, like, hanging like this. And, you know, as he's talking to us, you know how sometimes you just kind of absentmindedly you're doing something, and he's kind of swinging on this rung. And then the rung gave way, and he fell all the way to the bottom of the stairs. He was okay. Whoops, put this back. He was okay, but... Uh, but it reminded me of, of how in the church, we, we don't want to hang on to just one relationship, you know? 
you got to have several because one might give way. You never know, and then you'll crash to the bottom. So that's my, that, hopefully you'll remember that analogy. All right, so three things we're going to talk about uh, from 1 John today. Three things we're going to talk about. Uh, number one is more than words. Anybody recognize that band? Extreme, yeah. This was uh, their, they were actually a heavy metal band, but this was their like light hit, and that's the one everybody knows. Uh, but it says in, uh, in 1 John 3, 18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. More than words. Uh, Crabb, in his book, talks about how true encouragement, if you want to really encourage someone, it, it, it needs to meet two conditions. Number one, it needs to be prompted by love. And number two, it needs to be directed toward fear. So remember his model with fear is the inner uh, core uh, thing that people are feeling. And so the, the strategy is to build a, uh, a wall around themselves. So if you really want to encourage someone, it, first it needs to come from your own love for the person. And secondly, it needs to be directed towards the fear that they have. So let's talk about each one of those here for a second. Um, there are many, many, in terms of prompted by love, there are many, many, many love one another passages in the Bible. Many, many one another passages that define what love is. And, and, but a lot of times love doesn't come, loving motivation doesn't come naturally. You know, you might think, I want to encourage this person, but in your heart you're not feeling warm and fuzzy about them. You know, you're not feeling love for them. So that, this is somewhere where the Holy Spirit can really transform you can transform your heart for another person. A lot of times, okay, how, how do you feel about this person? Well, have you prayed for them? Jesus says to even pray for our enemies, how much more people who annoy us or just, you know, just minimally kind of bother us. You know, we, we, Jesus will transform our hearts. Uh, the Galatians 5, says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit working in us, is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know we all want more of those things. We got to pray and the Holy Spirit will, will give us love for people because a lot of times what comes natural is criticism, analysis, gossip, interest, maybe, but not love. Love doesn't come natural, so we got to pray that God will give us that heart of love to, to really care about them. That, that people know when, 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 when what, what you're saying is from love or it's from some other place because sometimes our interaction with someone might come from our own fear. And if something comes from our own fear, it's just going to hit that barrier. Uh, when, it, when it reaches them, it's just going to hit the barrier. But it's, if it's coming from love and toward their fear, then it's going to reach them. So that's the second condition, uh, directed towards fear. That doesn't mean you necessarily are saying, hey, I know you're afraid, and here's what you're afraid of. But you're just recognizing everybody's got some interest. You know, everybody's got some fear. Everybody's got some, something at their core that they're worried about. So, so sometimes it might be just going, tell me what you're feeling, or I know you might be feeling this, or you might, just putting yourself in their shoes. What, what are their fears? What are their worries? What, what, what is it that, that they're trying to protect? And, and so to encourage them, you're trying to direct towards that. You can do it. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is bigger than this situation. You know, you're, you're pointing them towards God and, and the eternal truths of his word. Uh, words aimed at fear bring encouragement. Words aimed at layers generate pressure, Crab says. So if you're just kind of, if you're talking a, 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 in terms of the layer that's on the outside, you're not going to really reach them. But if you're talking about their 
uh, their, their inner core, what they're really worried about, what they're really feeling, then you're going to reach them with encouragement. Uh, I want to show you a quick video. This was, uh, if anybody saw the, um, uh, the, the NBA Finals, they played this uh, video a lot, this commercial a lot. But I want to show you how compassion and love can't be faked. So I'll show you this quick video here. This happens all the time. I'll help take care of it. No, I'll take care of it. What's that? Uh, the budget insurance companies are building these cheap knockoff robots to compete with us. How may I assist you, fine gentlemen? It's kind of freaky. All right, look at his face. Look at his nose. His ears. It's got terrible eyes. Well, not... It's so stiff. I never had a girlfriend. Okay, guys, regardless of the looks, one thing is certain. These bots don't have the compassion of a real State Farm agent. I have compassion. Chill, <laughs> yeah, we, we cool. I am so sorry for your automobile. <laughs> okay, I know it's stu stupid, but it's funny, you know, uh, this, this robot trying to show compassion. You know, we can't just go through the motions, right? We got to pray that God will transform our heart if we want to really be an encourager. Uh, if we really want to, 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 to provide more than words for the people in our, in our relationships. I want to ask you, who is God putting on your heart to encourage this week? Maybe it's uh, a family member. Maybe it's someone in your group. Uh, maybe it's, you know, a coworker. But who is God putting on your heart to encourage this week? The second point is safe to love. Safe to love. And in uh, 1 John 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Safe to love. Now, for this song, I, you know, when I had more than words, I was like, oh, I'm going to use songs for the other ones. This is what I thought this song said. Because back in the 80s, there was no internet, teenagers. And so the song said what you thought it said. There was no way to, like, unless it was in the liner notes, you don't know what the song actually said. So this is, uh, I thought he said safe to love. This is uh, Roxy Music. Uh, anybody know Roxy Music? It's actually, huh? What, so what does he actually say, Steve? Do you know? So you thought it was safe to love, too. Safe to love. Does anybody know what he actually said? Slave to love. Slave to love. It's like, ah, I like safe to love. So that's, that's my point. Safe to love. So what I mean by that is that kind of what we talked about last week, but that, that uh, God will provide what we need to be able to, to put ourselves out there in relationships. Uh, God will, will w when someone else doesn't fulfill the desire that we have, that's where we take those desires to God. And the Bible says God satisfies our desires with good things. We set goals in relationships. We strive to do our best, but God makes up the rest. And God, God provides a safe place for us to put ourselves out there, for us to really love people. Um, and, and to be open, to be transparent, to be real with people, to get vulnerable with people. God provides that safe place. Uh, years ago, I used to go rock climbing with a friend of mine, George Sowards, and we would do what's called top roping. I know Clay knows what this is. But uh, top roping is when you're climbing a wall 
and there's an anchor at the top, and so this, this uh, your, your rope, uh, you, you know, you, you have a harness here, and the rope goes up, and the belayer is down below, and he's taking up tension as you climb. This is the easiest way to climb because if you fall, you can see the rope. You don't fall very far. Now, you're not supposed to have a lot of tension. Some people kind of cheat and almost pull the person up, but you're supposed to have a little bit of slack. You're not supposed to feel the rope. And so, when, you know, when George would be belaying me, I wouldn't feel the rope. And it's kind of scary as you're climbing a rock face like that. But I'll never forget the first time falling. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't hold on. And I'm falling. And I only fell like maybe a foot or two. And then the harness caught me. And, and instantly I wasn't afraid anymore. It's like I had so much confidence. And then I could scamper up the wall. Whereas before I was like barely, you know, trembling, you know, with fear trying to climb this wall. Because I, I had this, this safe uh, environment, this safe rope to protect me. That's how God is in, 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 our, in our relationships, that God will step in and protect us. We might be hurt by people, but God will turn that hurt into good. You know, God, God works all things for the good, uh, Romans 8 says. And, uh, and even, in, even in our hardships, even in difficulties we go through with relationships, we, we can entrust those things to God, just like Jesus did. He said, God, uh, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly uh, in the in First John 2, I mean, First uh, Peter 2. And so Jesus is our example of trusting in him. And, and this might not be you, but I have these moments where when I, when I have relationship conflict, it's like all I can think about, or it, it, it consumes me, or it, it, I mean, I wish I, I wasn't so, you know, swayed this way or that way by, by different challenges or whatever. But, but what I do is I try to go to God with those things. Like th there was a, a months ago where there was somebody that I knew needed to talk to me about something, an issue he had with me, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know when he was gonna talk with, with me about it. But somehow I found out he had an issue and he needs to talk to me about it. And, and, and we, in, we were interacting, so I didn't know this was, that he had an issue, but then I found out he did. So then I'm kind of waiting. And you know that feeling of like, I know somebody has an issue towards me and I kind of asked some advice, should I bring it up to him? No, let him bring it up. Okay, so then I'm just waiting and months, you know, weeks go by. And then we get together and then we're, we're together for like 40 minutes and he still hasn't said anything. I'm like, okay, well, I got to go. But and so, then he brought it up and we talked about it. I, was, I felt like such a relief, like, oh, okay, we talked about it. But, but this, this, this tension was just getting to me. So in my prayer journal, though, I'm just putting so much stuff in my prayer journal with the feelings that I had and the emotions that I had putting that all to God, taking it to God first, and then he, he helped my heart. And so God has to be the first place that we take, uh, you know, these feelings that we have. Because negative feelings will come up in our relationships, right? And uh, in, in the book, Larry Crabb talks about three things that we tend to do. These are the, sort of the three options that we do with negative relationships or negative feelings in relationships. Number one is repression. Number two is expression. And number three is acknowledgement and purposeful expression. So these are our three strategies that we have with negative emotions towards each other. Uh, number one is repression. And a lot of times people might think, well, this is the right thing to do. You're not supposed to, you know, give way to anger. or You're not supposed to, uh, you know, uh, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. I just need to sort of push down my feelings. But, but that's, that's not right. You know, if, if you're not being true to yourself. If you have anger in your heart... The Bible doesn't say being angry is a sin even. It says, in your anger, do not sin, yeah. Ephesians 4, 26. Jesus got angry, you know, in, in, in the book of Mark 3, 5, but he never sinned in his anger. So if we have emotions, we have negative emotions, we can't just ignore them. We've got to be real with them. 
we've got to fully admit to ourselves and to God whatever it is that we are are feeling and permit ourselves to, to experience that. Permit our bodies, okay, I'm angry right now, but then take it first to God. To do otherwise is, is, is foolish, you know, to try, to try to repress it or pretend like it doesn't exist. The second strategy that people will do is expression, but that's just releasing emotions without restraint. Like, I'm angry and so blah, you know, or I'm frustrated, blah, you know, and then we usually end up doing damage to our relationships when we do that. Uh, so really, it doesn't have any improvement over just pretending the emotions don't exist. The third strategy, which, which I think is a biblical strategy, is to acknowledge our feelings, go to God first with those things, but then use purposeful expression in how to handle them. Use the Bible as a guideline. And we talked uh, several weeks ago about the things that the Bible talks about. Uh, Matthew 18, first go to your brother, just between the two of you, or sister, and you two talk about it. And then if it doesn't go well, then bring somebody else in. or You know, that principle. Uh, the principle of uh, not letting the sun go down while you're angry. Uh, the principle of, uh, you know, if you're at the, the altar and you realize your brother has something against you, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come back and offer your gift. Like, like work things out in relationships right away. Don't let it fester. Don't let it keep going. Uh, the principle of not letting bitterness grow up. It says in Hebrews, you know, you guys know these scriptures. There's so many scriptures, but we put our feelings into that framework. And that's how we deal with it. Uh, Crab told the story of uh, this guy in, in his small group who was irritated with an, a, another leader. And, um, but, but he was just sort of not dealing with it. And um, Crab talks about the, the goal versus desire. You know, the, his, his strategy, what he did was just not deal with it because his wife and this other guy's wife were good friends and he didn't want to rock the boat. You know, if, they, if, I, if I bring it up to him, then that might not go well. And then... Then things are not going to go well at home with my wife. And so, you know, uh, Crab says his goal should be to please God and edify the offending brother. But in fact, his true goal was to avoid hassles. Hassle avoidance perhaps qualifies as a desire, but is not a worthy goal. So we put our goals in the framework of God and his plan. What is going to help this person? Um, is there someone that you need to speak to this week? Is there some, you know, a relationship that you need to work on repairing? Another big one I'll mention is Ephesians 4.29. Uh, Ephesians 4.29. Anybody who has kids probably knows this one. We taught our kids this one and memorized it when they were young. And I grew up in the church. I learned this when I was young. It's do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. It's a great passage. You don't have it memorized. Make sure you memorize it. But that is an awesome filter for any conversation you're going to have. Is what I'm about to say helpful to build them up? doesn't mean that everything is just cheery, right? Building someone else up might be, bro, I, I got to talk to you about how I've been hurt in our relationship. Why? Because you don't want them to keep hurting other people or you want, you, you know, you want to meet their needs. But it, is this going to benefit them, what I'm about to say? It's a great, great filter. When we were little our kids uh we did this devotional where we would uh pretend we were about to say something and then we'd put our hand over our mouth if it was not going to be helpful so they'd be like they would want to say you're stupid but they would go you're stupid so they put their hand over their mouth not let it out you know ephesians 4 29 is a filter like that only let what is helpful come out of your mouth uh, the last thing is use somebody this is uh kings of leon if you know that band Use somebody. God wants to use somebody in your life, and God wants to use you in somebody else's life. God works through people. That's his plan. 
And so if you're listening to this today going, you know what, I'm not good at relationships. I just, it's just me and God. Amen, that's a good starting point. You know, you and God is the starting point. But you cannot be a Christian outside of relationships. Because all of Jesus' teachings are about how we treat each other. And, and that's so often how God really operates. Uh, in, in, uh, in verse 11, we're in 1 John 4 again. Uh, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, so we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Wow, that's an amazing thought if you think about that. No one's ever seen God, but, but God lives in us and his love's made complete in us. What that's saying is that people see God through us. We are ambassadors for God, Paul said. Uh, Paul told the Thessalonians, let me, let me come visit you so I can complete what's lacking in your faith. Uh, Galatians 1, he says, they praise God because of me. Paul saw that God used him to, 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 to bring other people to God. God gets all the glory. We point people to God, but God still uses us. And so you got to ask yourself, are you willing to let God use you in relationships? Are you making yourself available to his purposes? When, you, when it comes to your coworkers or your family members or your, your, your the fellow students. And are you allowing God, are you, even, are you even praying about that? Are you thinking about that? God, use me in somebody else's life. And who is God using in your life? Are you letting people into your life for God to use you? God speaks to us through others so often. You ever had that where you're, you're wrestling with something and you're, you're dealing with something, maybe you're praying about it, and then someone speaks to you and it's just that word from God. You're like, wow, you have no idea what you just said. Uh, maybe it's in a sermon, maybe it's in a counseling appointment, or, or somebody just so, says something, you're like, wow, that was God right there. It's so cool when that happens, but that's how God works. He comforts us through others. He encourages us through others. That's how encouragement works. It's God using people. God using people. And uh, practical things that we talked about today, you know, uh, make sure that when you are trying to encourage somebody, it's coming from love, and it's aimed towards their fear. And when you do need to express something, don't don't just shove it down and pretend it doesn't exist. Don't just give free expression, but put it through the filter of Scripture and then give purposeful expression to those negative emotions. And then ultimately, let God use you. Jesus is the one who's the perfect example of all of these. Jesus loved us with more than words. Jesus makes it safe to love. And Jesus is the ultimate somebody that God has used to give us, into, give us relationships with one another and give us, ultimately, most importantly, a relationship with Him. Um, we have a special guest today. Vanessa Adams is visiting. She came to visit the Catanos. And um, she, uh, when, we, when we talked on the phone about her visit, she said that she felt like God had put on her heart she would like to share a couple of thoughts for communion. She's, she went through a, a really challenging health situation and it was a, a type of situation where she just had to completely trust in God. And uh, I know all of us have those moments in our lives. So she's going to share a little bit about what she learned uh, before we take communion. So I'll come back and pray for communion after she shares. Thank you. Thank you. I asked Lisa to come up with me. Moral support. My sister in Christ right here, you guys. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us 
because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves at all. Let me just interject that real quick. But for him who died and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through reconciliation. Wait, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Who am I, right? Who's this person up here? Lisa knows who I am. I'm a daughter, a sister, a wife, a doggy mama, right? I mean, come on, little Labradoodle, big, big Labradoodle. I'm a friend and you're my family. I'm here today only because of God's mercy. I stand before you because God answered your prayers. Why? Right? You probably don't know, huh? Spoiler alert. So I had sinus surgery on March 1st. It was actually my seventh surgery, so, you know, I'm no stranger to surgery or, like, the recovery process or any of that, you know. Patch me together, you know, give me some drugs. (laughs) Let me be on my way and heal, right? So what should have been, like, a quote-unquote two- to three-day recovery ended up being a couple of months. It's because I had an allergic reaction to the anesthesia. Now, think about anesthesia, right? That's like in your blood. You know, it's not just like something on your skin or whatever. I'm not 100% of the person I knew. I'm not 100% of the person my friends and family know. But I am 100% of who God wants me to be. I couldn't read... I couldn't walk on my own. I lost my memory. And I couldn't think or make sense to anyone. (laughs) So there's that. I couldn't eat, and for 10 days, I could barely swallow even a sip of water. I did not recognize myself in the mirror. I totally think of that scripture where it says, like, when you forget yourself in the mirror or whatever, I was like, yeah, that was me. What I could do, though, was pray, and I could listen to God's Holy Spirit. My scriptures, because I could not read, I couldn't recognize letters, and for whatever reason, like mems or M's were like the hardest. I don't, I don't know, mm, I don't know. I couldn't read. I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't read texts or emails that were sent to me. But I had scriptures in my heart 
I just celebrated my 20th spiritual birthday on May 9th. By God's grace and mercy. And what did I have? I had prayer, I had the Holy Spirit, and I had the scriptures that God gave me over that 20 years. And that was enough. I didn't know if I would have access to tomorrow. I didn't know if I'd have the next breath or the next step to walk. We have stairs in our house. And stairs are hard when you have a difficult time walking. And I would pray simply that God would be the strength of my ankles, that he would move my feet, and that he would give my hands the strength to hold on to the railing. Because even if my feet are strong, sorry kids, when your balance is off, even if your feet are strong, if you're not holding on, I would be going downstairs, right? So I learned a lot about putting on the full armor of God, not just part of it, to let perseverance finish its work and not just get stuck on a little tiny bit of it. One night, and I had a few situations like this, but one particular night, I was unable to move my body, relying only on prayer and God's strength to breathe, to to have my heart beat. My words were changed from, for example, God, you know what's wrong. None None of my doctors knew what was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. I mean, I can barely think, so there's that. But... None of my doctors could figure out what was going on. At that point, we didn't, we didn't know. You know, I even called my doctor and said, I'm kind of freaking out. And my doctor said, I'm kind of freaking out too, right? But God knew what was wrong. I would pray, God, heal me. Heal my body so I can do the work you've prepared for me to do. You, you know, you saved me. Heal my body. It doesn't make sense for me to, to go now. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I petitioned to God. That changed in my prayer too. God, if it's your will for me to be here, and only if it's your will, heal me the way you want to heal me. And to give me the strength to be okay with that. help my ears listen carefully to the Holy Spirit. This is not my life, but yours. This is God's story, and the lesson is not for me alone. I just get to be a part of it. So today, by his grace and miracles and the faith you had, the many of you that prayed for me, I'm here. I got on an airplane. I can drive. I can read. I'm standing here today. I have no explanation other than God. Amen. In Matthew 26, Brian Craig actually helped me out with this, this scripture, 38, 42. It says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, 
but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me just for one hour? He asked Peter. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 